We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Look what it says here in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. We come now to this uh, second half of the Chronicles. Uh, First Chronicles, it pretty much covered the the life of, uh, of David primarily. Looking at it, probably written by Ezra from a priestly perspective, okay? But now as David passes on, he passes the baton to his son Solomon, and we see there's a transition of the monarchy. There's a transition of authority. And one of the things you're going to see, Chronicles, it emphasizes is the building of the temple. You know, because again, remember, it's written from a priestly perspective. And as, uh, you know, Solomon is going to do a great work for God, uh, he's going to do this amazing work of building a temple. You know, there has to be an establishment of authority. There has to be leadership. There has to be structure. And, you know, the transition from one king to another king was a very, uh, very dangerous thing. It's almost like you guys have seen it in the, in the races. Have you guys ever seen those races where they have the, the runners passing the baton? And, and as they're making the transition of power, you know how a lot of times, you know, they're, they're, if it's not a smooth transition, uh, they might lose the race. They might drop uh, the baton. And, and, and so, you know, that's kind of the way it is. And that's especially the way it was when they were, you know, transitioning power in those days because there needed to be that element of authority. You're not going to be able to do something as a family or as an organization. It could be a business. It could be anything, a church, where there's not clear leadership. If there's not clear leadership and if everybody's kind of doing whatever they want to do, then there won't be an effective organization. You know, that's why wherever you go, it could be your family, it could be uh, an organization, um, you have to be so careful that you guys know, like at the home, you know, no offense ladies, but the husband is the head of the home. You know, and not to say, you know, that husband as he's given that that authority to to lead, prayerfully that he'll lead in loving his wife. You know, what we want is that authority to be clear. We want that leadership to be effective. And that's what we see here with Solomon. It says in verse 1 that the son of David, he was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. The Lord was with Solomon And he established him by exalting him. As a matter of fact, God, you know, really exalted him. If you go back to 1 Chronicles 29, look what it says in verse 25. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as has not been on any king before him in Israel. 
And so the Lord God exalted, exalted Solomon, it says exceedingly, right? And, and of course we know that uh, Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it says that exaltation comes not from the east or the west or the south, but God is the judge and he puts down one and exalts another. And so we read in this passage that God exalted Solomon in order to establish him as the leader over Israel. You know, and again, it's something that you wouldn't want to take for granted, right? We want to make sure that that baton is passed in a, in a clean fashion. Uh, the NIV says he established him firmly, and the NLT says he took firm control. Uh, David and Solomon knew that if leadership wasn't established, then this mission would not be effective. And of course, we know it was the Lord who had established Solomon, but, you know, it didn't mean that Solomon didn't have any involvement in that. As a matter of fact, when you get a chance to go back and read First Kings, and you'll find that Solomon actually executed some people. Solomon actually, um, he ex exiled some who would have opposed him or who had opposed his leadership. Uh, when you read 1 Kings chapter 2 and 3, it says he executed shameful Shimei. He executed General Joab. He executed his brother Adonijah, who had exalted himself. And he even exiled one of the priests by the name of Abiathar. Why? Because they were, in one sense, opposing Solomon's leadership. And so, you know, in looking at the fact that Solomon was strengthened in his kingdom, understand it, it was the Lord, but it was also certain steps that Solomon needed to take in order for that leadership to, to be everything that it needed to be. You know, we, we need that, you guys. We need that in life more than you realize it. You know, one article said this, few things are more important to human activity than leadership. Effective leadership helps our nation through times of peril. It makes a business organization successful. It enables a nonprofit organization to fulfill its mission. The effective leadership of parents enables children to grow strong and healthy and become productive adults, while the absence of leadership is equally dramatic in its effects. Without leadership, organizations move too slowly, stagnate, lose their way. And what you find when you read literature, much about the literature of organizations stresses decision-making and implies that if decision-making is timely, complete, and correct, then things will go well. And so just the importance of, of leadership, the importance of authority. Some people just, uh, they don't like it, as a matter of fact. I think by human nature, uh, we resist authority. Um, uh, that's why, in, in one sense, uh, I mean, maybe there's some of you here that for whatever reason, you don't like cops. You don't like police officers, you know, because maybe they gave you a ticket. Or there are some people who think that they're, they're all bad cops. They're, no, they're not all bad cops. And we should actually pray for them. We should actually honor the authority that they have. Do you know where we would be without our police officers? Do you think that everybody would be cool? 
It would be crazy. It would be chaos. There needs to be authority. There needs to be police officers. There needs to be bosses. There needs to be a government. And we don't have a perfect government by any means. But we need to have that element of structure because if there's not, then we won't be successful. We won't be effective. Even for those of you who have kids, okay, um, believe it or not, your child should not be your boss. Did you guys know that? Most Americans don't know that. <laughs> you know, um, the, the, the parent should be the parent. And, and don't get me wrong, prayerfully, eventually it blossoms into a nice, beautiful friendship. But when they're young, you have to establish authority. Did you guys know that? Because if you don't establish that authority, then you're never going to earn the respect to teach them or to train them if you don't have authority. Did you guys, any of you guys, were ever in a class, were you ever in a class where the teacher had no authority? You remember those classes? Nobody learned nothing. We have fun. We were throwing paper airplanes and shooting spit wads and doing all that crazy stuff. And everybody had a good time, but nobody learned anything because there was no structure. There was no authority. And what happens for us in, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, when the parent doesn't establish that authority, they can't teach and they can't train. And eventually what happens is when the time comes where you have no choice but coaching, you know, you're going to be in big trouble. And so the Lord wanted them to build a temple. And the Lord exalted Solomon and established that authority. We need that structure. And so, you know, here's Solomon. He's settled. It's a matter of leadership. But he's not alone. Uh, look at verse 2. It says, And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges, and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. And then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark of God from kerjath Jerem to the place David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. Solomon and the assembly sought him there. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. You know, I think, you know, because the Bible says that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. I think one of the things we see in, in going through the end of First Chronicles and the beginning of Second Chronicles is the importance of leadership. But I, I think now we come to a place where, if I could just say it this way, the importance of lordship. The, the importance of lordship. Now Solomon, he's going to be the human leader, but that guy who's the human leader, he better make sure that he's led by the Lord. And so it's cool what Solomon does is he loves his country. And he gathers all the leaders together there in verse 2. He communicates them and he calls all the leaders 
He says, hey, you guys, let's go on a, on a trip. Let's go uh, up to, to Gibeon. That's about seven and a half miles north. Let's go up to seek the Lord. That's what we read right there again at the end of verse 5. It says, Solomon and the assembly sought him there. You know? And so if you were to like, you know, look back at those days, what you would find is that the tabernacle of meeting was at Gibeon. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem. It was just there in a tent, according to 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 17. And, you know, probably the main reason, because Solomon could have gone to either one. He could have gone to the Ark of the Covenant. He could have gone to the tabernacle of meeting. But most people believe the reason he went to the tabernacle of meeting is because the bronze altar was there. Uh, it says right here, it was the bronze altar that uh, Bezalel, it says in verse 5, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made. And so it was a seven and a half feet wide, a seven and a half feet long, four and a half feet tall, so it was pretty tall. It was a pretty big thing because Solomon wanted to seek the Lord and, and what God put on his heart was he was going to offer a thousand sacrifices, a thousand burnt offerings. And, and you know what we find here, you guys? Is that this guy really wanted to seek the Lord. He really wanted to seek the Lord. I mean, what we find in the early days of Solomon is he had a good heart. And he had a good start. Now just because you have a good heart and have a good start doesn't mean you're going to stay that way. Some people get weird. But Solomon had a good heart and he had a good start. And he says, okay, God's given me this responsibility of being a leader. Well, the first thing I should do as a leader is gather all my leaders together and let's go seek the Lord with everything that we are. You know, it's the best place to begin the leadership of his leaders. You know, back in 1 Kings 3.3, 3, the Bible tells us that at this time Solomon wasn't perfect, but he loved the Lord and was walking in God's precepts. You know, Solomon knew this, you guys, and I pray that you guys know this. Do you guys know this? That if you seek the Lord with all your heart, that you will find God? Do you know that? You know, that's, that's awesome. You're like, man, I, I would love to know what God is like. I would love to see God or, or find God or what is it about God, this creator, this maker, this redeemer. You know, he seems kind of distant and I see people go to church and whatever, they seem to have it together, whatever the case may be. And, and the thing is this, it's for all of us that if we would seek the Lord with all our heart, then we will find him. The Bible says that over and over again. Solomon knew this. Look again. There at verse 6, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord, which is at the tabernacle of meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. You know, a burnt offering is, it, it means absolute surrender a burnt offering because you guys know how it was right when when they uh, did the sacrifices a lot of times they would take the animal and they would you know give portions to the priest and he would eat it 
and there'd be portions for me, and I would eat it. Did you guys know that? And then some would go, and, you know, they would kill it. And so, you know, you go to offer a sacrifice, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I can't wait, because I'm going to get me some thick sirloin tonight, man. After my sacrifice, I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to get something out of it. But a burnt offering meant that you got nothing out of it. It was all God's. And that's where Solomon was. He offered a thousand burnt offerings. And when you look at 1 Kings 3, and you just kind of put this all together, and here's a guy, you know, he's in his 20s. He's a young guy. And he is just completely seeking the Lord. Completely seeking the Lord. You know, not to condemn you or anything, but does that describe you? I mean, are you seeking the Lord with everything that you are? I mean, are you like panning after Him and pursuing Him and and wanting Him to speak to you and to show you His face and to show you His will and to grant you His power? I mean, is that is that you? If not, it should be. We should all have that heart like Solomon because, you know, he's about to go embark on a mission that is impossible, you know, and it's impossible without God. And the only way this is going to happen is if he seeks the Lord with his whole heart. You know, I'll tell you guys this. There's a a song I used to um, like before I was a Christian. Terrible, terrible group and terrible song. I almost thought like I shouldn't tell you, but... I might as well tell you now. <laughs> In 1981, Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult. What a terrible name, huh? You remember that song, I'm Burning for You? You guys remember that song? There's a line in there that's talking about he's giving and living for the devil. I'm burning for you. That's where a lot of people are. They're burning for and it could be the devil. I was reading, I was, try- I was getting weird today. I was trying to figure out what does this song mean, you know? And some people thought it was him burning for the devil. Others thought he was burning for somebody he loved. It wasn't right either way. We have to, like Solomon, burn for the Lord. We'll burn a thousand sacrifices for the God who made us for the God who loves us, for the God who redeemed us, for the God who watches over us, for the God who gives us every breath we we take, every heartbeat that's in his hand. That's the one I'll burn for in a a good way. And when you do that, you're seeking the Lord. And and I'm telling you guys this, and it's a a promise, one of the most beautiful promises in the Bible, that if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. And a lot of us in the church, and maybe even here tonight, the problems that you are having, the attitudes that you have, the struggles that are not necessary are because you're not seeking the Lord. That's it. That's all you got to do is you got to seek Him. And when you do, I I pray you would know this is awesome. You know, they say that if you go to the end of the rainbow, you'll find a pot of gold, and I, I don't know if that's true or not. I'd rather find God than a pot of gold. That's what we need to seek. Deuteronomy 4.29 is a promise. It says, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. 
if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's a promise of the Bible. It's a, a precept of the Bible. It's a principle of the Bible. Later in Second Chronicles 15.4, it says, But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. Maybe you're here tonight and you're having trouble. God says, well, that's what will happen in your life when you kind of don't want me. It naturally digresses, but it's not too late. Seek the Lord and you'll find him. Second uh, Chronicles 15, 15, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them. And the Lord God gave them rest. I love that. How many of you here need rest? I need rest. I need peace. It's not going to happen unless you get the Prince of Peace. And, and he says when they sought him, they, they had rest. Oh man, I cannot put into words how much God loves you. I cannot put into words the plans that he has for your life that are amazing. All you got to do is seek the Lord, but you got to seek him seriously. Not casually, not flippantly, not lackadaisically, not once in a while. You seek the Lord. I know you guys know Jeremiah 29 and verse 12. It says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so I think that's what Solomon was doing. You know, not everyone who offered burnt offerings was really seeking the Lord, but Solomon was. Solomon was sincere. Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. And so we read in verse 7 that on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And guess what? He found him. Right? He sought the Lord, and then God, according to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it was in a dream. But the Lord appeared to him, and, and, and God just spoke to him. You know, there have been some times in my life, and I'll bet you in your life too, where in dreams God spoke to you. There have been times in our life, you know, as Christians, when we're really seeking the Lord and we want to know his will, and he makes it clear and he speaks to us. Sometimes he just puts things on our heart. Sometimes he just speaks through other people. But you've been seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord and praying and fasting, praying and obeying. You're serious. You're not like one foot in and one foot out. You're totally his. And then, boom, he speaks to you. He appears to you. And I, and I love what he asked Solomon here. You know, um, he asks, he says, ask, what shall I give you? It's kind of like the, the genie, right? <laughs> you get three wishes. No, I'm just joking. It's not like that. But, you know, let's just say the Lord, uh, he came to you tonight, and he, and, he, and he said to you, what do you want? You know, you have a prayer request. You need to ask. What would you ask for? You know, that's a heavy question. You know, one of the things the Lord has been laying on my heart lately when I pray, 
is I, I ask him, teach me to pray. Lord, I want to be I want to be strong in prayer. But another thing I ask the Lord is teach me what to pray for. Teach me what to pray for. You know, here God said to Solomon, ask, what shall I give you? And and believe it or not, we do have that that task to ask, you know, so to speak. Um, James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. Did you know that? I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, you, you know, sometimes you hear about these people and they go to these places and I'm like, how did you get a discount? <laughs> and they're like, I asked. I'm like, oh, really? You know, that's how it works? <laughs> I didn't see that on the menu. How'd you get one of those? And they just said, well, I asked, you know? I mean, sometimes with the Lord, believe it or not, it's as simple as that. You don't have because you don't ask. But Jesus even said in, in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And it just means keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And that's the kind of heart that we have to have. You know, I, I think that in one sense, in looking at this, you know, you have to kind of know, first of all, you know, what to ask for. Ask the Lord. Lord, <laughs> what, what should my prayer life really consist of? You know, let's just say you're having troubles financially, okay? And I'm just using this as a silly illustration, but you can say, Lord, I need $10,000 to pay my taxes. You know, because uh, we're, in, we're in debt. And you, God might say, okay, here's $10,000. And then you pay your debt. Next year, you're in $10,000 debt again. What should you have probably asked for? How many to be a better steward? What do you really need to ask God for? It's a heavy, heavy question. You know, be careful that it's not selfish. You know, pray that God would teach you to pray. And, and I will say this too. I would say that, because a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, it doesn't matter how long you pray. And, and I guess in, in one sense it, it doesn't, but maybe in one sense it does. I mean, I think sometimes they, they say the average Christian might spend five, ten minutes in prayer. You know, and again, not to get weird or anything, but man, imagine how different your life would be if you spent not only quality time in prayer, but quantity time in prayer. To where, you know, you prayed for hours. Again, not being weird, not saying you got to be like a monk or something, but, you know, just getting on your knees. And I'll tell you what, when you get on your knees and you start praying, and you're praying for a half an hour here, a half hour there, an hour there, you will find that there's not enough time to pray the way that we really should, to praise Him and thank him and confess our sins and, and lift up our loved ones. The Lord said to Solomon, ask, what shall I give you? And look what we read, Solomon said in verse 8 to God, well, you have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. 
Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours. Solomon, he kind of gives a, a little bit of reasoning and then he kind of builds it up to his request. He said in verse 8, you know, you've shown mercy to my father David. He says in verse 8, you made me king. In verse uh, 9, he talks about the promise that was given to David, and you can read about that in 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 16. And then, in one sense, he talks about the promise that was given to Abraham. He says right there in verse 9, your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. And, and what had happened now in, in David's life and kind of in Solomon's reign is that the church or the, the, the nation had grown and grown and grown and, and there was so many Jews that that promise had been fulfilled that God had given to Abraham back in Genesis thirteen sixteen. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. And so now you have all these people and let me tell you something. There were all these people that Solomon really cared about. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, there's a, they're just numbers now. We got a, you know, a big nation now. And, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit on my throne and I'm going to have my fun and I'm going to, you know, do my thing. It's no, I care about all these people, Lord, that you've entrusted to me as a responsibility. I care about them, not because they're not my people, they're your people. And so, he says, Lord, I can't do this. Who can do this? There's no one sufficient for these things. And so what does Solomon ask for? He asks for wisdom in verse 10. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. And that's a, a Hebrew idiom that just means so that I can be a good leader. It, it originated, originally it was for the generals and the military, but over time it transpired into just meaning a good leader. Lord, give me wisdom so I can be a good leader. And, and what we find is Solomon's request was for wisdom and knowledge because he loved the people of Israel. I mean, no one is able to do this. No one can possibly judge or govern this great people of yours. No one can lead them properly apart from, Lord, you granting us wisdom. You know, and there you are as a parent, and you don't know what to do. And there you are as a, as a dad, and you're leading your family. And whatever you do, fathers, don't relinquish your leadership. You're the leader. And one day you will stand before God and give an account for your leadership. And sometimes wives are real strong and they'll just take over. Huh? <laughs> if you let them. But I'm telling you, man, no offense, ladies, but you're going to crash. Because God has called the husband to lead. 
And, and what we find is that, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. Um, this is such a huge request to ask for wisdom, to ask for wisdom and knowledge, right? You know, 1 Kings chapter 3, we got to turn there because, you know, some people, they're like, well, what is wisdom? They don't really know what wisdom is. And you can have a guy, and, and he's got a lot of uh, common sense. And you can have a guy, and he's got an education, and uh, he's a graduate from Harvard University or something. I mean, you can have these guys that, whatever, they've been taking these classes. But I tell you what, a lot of times these guys, they lack wisdom. You see? Because wisdom comes from above, right? Wisdom is the application of not some academic knowledge. Wisdom is the application of God's truth. How do I apply this to my wife and my kids and my life? Lord, how do I connect the dots? That's how wisdom is. Here's the plan and here's the vision and there's the goal. How do you get there? By wisdom. That's how we lead. That's why we need. That's why we need wisdom. It takes a very personal relationship with God to have wisdom. You know, here in First Kings three, we kind of get it from a different perspective. You know, the Bible has you know so much uh, commentary on itself, and and here in First Kings chapter three, we'll read the account. It says in verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, God, and, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and an uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. Notice his humility. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. See, 1 Kings tells us the same story but he gives us a, a, the different details and the way that it's worded here is he asked for an understanding heart. <laughs> Literally, in the Hebrew, a hearing heart. You see, the way it works for us as God's children is we got to know the Lord. And you got to know the works of the Lord. And you got to know the ways of the Lord. And you got to know the word of the Lord. And you have to know the voice of the Lord. 
or what do I do? You know, I got this question, and, and, you know, for me, you know, here's what my son's going through. Here's what my daughter's going through. Here's what my wife is going through. Here's the dilemma. Here's the struggle. You know, and sometimes, you know, things are real objective. They're real black and white. They're real simple. But a lot of times, they're not. And we need to hear the voice of God. And what do I do? I've got this question on missions now, Lord. What do I do, Lord? I've got this question with whatever it might be, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, this situation that has arisen. Pray. Pray. And you listen for the voice of the Lord. And, and he'll speak to you. And I'm not saying necessarily in an unaudible voice, Manny, no, not like that. <laughs> but he will put things in your heart and he will give you scriptures and you will hear a message and it will confirm what God's been trying to do in your life. See, Solomon asked for wisdom and, 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 and what it was in all reality is uh, the proper application of knowledge confirmed in a personal relationship with God. And you guys, we need, we need the wisdom of the Lord. You know, we need to ask, okay? So you guys go ahead and start asking, okay? <laughs> you know, I, 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 there was a time when we were struggling financially, and uh, I remember I just asked the Lord specifically uh, along those lines, and he gave me some details, and it was just so cool to see the way the Lord answered those prayers. And so we need to ask, um, but we also need to ask uh, for the right things. Um, back in, in First Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 1, I'm reminded of that passage in James where he said, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your, on your pleasures. Oh Lord, give me a, a you know a million dollars, because I I the sixty inch flat screen Lord, it's looking real nice right now, and I could watch Christian movies on it Lord, and I'll <laughs> invite people over, <laughs> and uh, and and you know I don't know the Lord will show you what to ask for. James says, be careful that you don't ask just in selfish reasons because, you know, that's not the way we ask. That's why God's not, not answering your prayers. It's because you're asking for the wrong thing, right? We need to know that we should ask for God's will, and I believe that he will show us as we desire to serve him with all our heart. And so... Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge, and uh, he just wants to be a, a faithful leader. And so the Lord said, you know, bingo. That, that's the perfect request. In verse 11, God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and notice that right there, you might even want to circle the words, in your heart. God sees your heart. You might go home today and say, oh, Lord, give me wisdom. But it's not really in your heart. You just want to do your own thing. 
God sees that. What's really in your heart? This was really in Solomon's heart. I just want to serve, Lord. I, I want to be a good leader. God says, because it was in your heart and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked, you know, long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. Oh, man, how beautiful. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. And so God said, you got it, you know? And you'd be surprised. Maybe you're here today, and I, and I could talk to whoever, the, the, the guys, the gals. You know, maybe you're here today, and you're thinking, well, I'm not that smart, Lord, or I don't have the grade of IQ, or I never graduated from college, or, or whatever. And you might think that that, you know, that then, you know, handicaps you, and you can't really do, you know, great things for God and experience this amazing life. And I'm telling you that, you know, that's not required. What's required is, is wisdom. Wisdom is the beginning of knowledge. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. <coughs> wisdom from above. Not the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom. And God said, because you asked it, you're going to get it. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to have wisdom and knowledge. And, and on top of that, you're going to get all these other things. Now, I will tell you a little secret here, but don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. You're here today and you're like, I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's all right. God's cool with that. But seek the Lord. You're like, I want, I want, you know, my head above the water. I, I want, you know, God, please provide for my bills. Help me as a man to be able to support a wife. Okay? Seek the Lord. All you got to do is seek the Lord. All you got to do is put him first. And all these other things will be added unto you. That's what happened with Solomon. He said, Lord, I need wisdom. I, I need... I need you. I need to do the right thing. And God said, good job, mijo. I'm going to give you all these other things too, right? And Solomon had riches. Uh, we're going to see later they had so much gold and silver and cedars that it wasn't even funny. Look at verse 13. So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon from before the tabernacle of meeting and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And they also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. And Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva, the king's merchants brought them in Kiva at the current price, and they also acquired and imported from Egypt a chariot for 600 shekels of silver 
and a horse for 150. Thus, uh, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. And that right there, uh, the closing section, in one sense, is kind of like a, it, it's going to be a summary of that portion of Solomon's life that said the promise that God made to him regarding his wealth was true. We're going to see it's repeated pretty much verbatim later in his life. And so that's all, all God is saying is that because Solomon asked for wisdom for the right reason to bless the people, then God promised him these things. And God, indeed, he fulfilled his promise. And, you know, we see he reigned and he had 14 you know, 100 chariots and 12,000 horses and, and, and silver and gold and cedars uh, that were, you know, made, he made them common. The whole nation got blessed because of him, right? I mean, they even exported things in a, in a, in a, in a financial or economic way. They were, they were blessed. But what we find is that Solomon had a, a good heart he had a good start, but you guys know eventually he's not going to stay there, huh? Eventually he's going to turn away. But what was it that turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord? It wasn't the wealth, huh? It wasn't the knowledge. It wasn't the wisdom. It was it was these these women. I mean, you know. When I remember one time we were going over the Proverbs and we were talking about the you know, the immoral woman, and one of the young guys, after we're all done, he said, okay, now I know what this study is all about. Women are bad. <laughs> well, some are. No, I'm just joking. You know, no. Um, at the end of the day, what we find is that you've got to put the Lord first, right? And Solomon started off so good, and, and, I, and I think that we can actually learn from this. One thing I pray that you take away today, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Put him first in your life. And I promise you, man, if you seek him uh, with all your heart, then you will find him. Understand the importance of leadership and, and lordship. And may God help us to have a heart that, that kind of gets settled like Solomon did and then gets seeking like Solomon did. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I know that you know, these things are rich in there as examples for us. I, I just love the way that Solomon began. And if any of us here, Lord, maybe haven't been seeking you with all our heart, give us, Lord, the divine details. Show us how to do that. Show us how awesome it would be if we would. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would do that work in us. Bless your people. I know you want to. I know in one sense you're just waiting for us to come to you, Lord, like this. We just thank you so much for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to offer sacrifices anymore because you did it all, Lord, when you died for us. And so I thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in your beautiful people. Every single person here, may you bless them. May you encourage them, Lord. May you give them a peace that surpasses understanding. May you knit our hearts together, Lord, in an unslipping knot. May nothing ever divide us as a congregation 
for a body of believers, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you give us one mind and one heart. And I pray especially, Father, for any here tonight that are struggling, just having a hard time. Lord, we pray that you would please, please, Lord, give them grace. Touch their life. Lift them up and bless them with the power of your love. Again, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here tonight. Be with us now as we sing, as we go our way, I pray that you would just do a mighty work. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.